Okay, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on a nice wintry day today. Um, we have a, a fun message today that's going to include some science. Um, it's going to include some, some different sort of thinking to arrive us to a really important point. So try to stay open-minded. I'm not going to go too crazy into physics and things like this, but I'm not going to lie. I'm leaning heavily on khouse.org. I'm leading on some uh, quantum physics journals of October 2000, a guy named Doug Hamp, Billy, Billy Chrome, and some other folks that I uh, have really built a belief system that marries science and faith very, very well, but proves points that are important, okay? Because nobody's here to prove anything. I don't care. Faith begins here. Faith is a choice. Do we understand that? It is not something someone can arrive you to. So when we're trying to talk to our children, let's say, faith is a journey they're going to be on in their own way. And it's going to be something that they grow toward. It's not something we can convince people of. So having said that, I'm going to preach a little bit about what God's doing in my life. So I'm trying to figure out how personal I want to be. So every relationship, every marriage relationship particularly, ends up with highs and lows, as we know. And I'm going to say something I've never said from the pulpit before, but I always say in the office, and you don't necessarily need to believe me. I think that televangelists and other people on TV are filling us with a load of garbage. And here's what I mean. Any marriage I've met that is good has been through hell. I'm not even going to look at anybody in this room. <laughs> I'm trying to say this. If I've ever met a couple who are just like, oh, and I mean after the first three or five years of honeymoon, that's garbage. And that doesn't count. You know what? Um, if any marriage is in a good place, it's because they went through really bad stuff together. That's for everybody in this place. There's no marriage lottery. Oh, y'all didn't like that. There is no marriage lottery. Oh, he got to marry someone, so she got... No. You want to know what marriage is? Hard work, heartache, perseverance, and teaching you to be faithful for this side of eternity. And it's not... I mean, there's joy in it, too, but you don't just get the joy. What in life just gives you joy? Nothing. Besides God, of course. It's going to require work. Now... I'm in one of those seasons right now where we're digging through. You know, you're at the 10, 12-year mark. We've got two little kids. I'm at the part now where we either do the work or we drift apart. And that's where we're at. Now, here's what I'm getting at. Nothing about marriage today. What I'm getting at is this. Here's what I realized. Some of the times that I may have inadvertently wounded her or made her think I don't trust her were times when I was struggling with fear. When I first touched on this physics talk it's not going to be completely physics but we're going to touch a little bit i i remember at that time it was the first time melanie was going to take the kids to see her parents in uh, syracuse area and i wasn't going to go and i got news for you it was paralyzing me with fear i'm always with my children i don't do much without them and I didn't realize, and it was a lot of fear. Now, of course, that communicates to her, like that maybe that I don't trust her or that she's not as capable. But the reality was it was my fear that I was dealing with. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so lately, I've been able to say to her, listen, that's not about you. This is about me. And I needed to work through that fear apart from, you could be anybody. You could be literally Wonder Woman embodied. And I'd still worry because fear is something I allowed in in this particular instance. And so I went through this weird phase where every night I would sit there and, and I would play these scenarios in my brain. You all have them. You all have them. I know you do. Upcoming babies, medical reports, whatever you've got going on, the future, your kids, your grandkids, where we do this and we lose sleep. Well, God showed me something, but he used science to show me something. 
And this is what we're going to do today. We're going we're gonna to literally talk about fear, which is a plague upon every single one of us here. All of us can do to be set free from fear. And that's what Jesus came to do. Let's, let's look at First Peter. Here's a hint, though. It says this. Be self-controlled and alert. In other words, notice what's happening to you. Just notice. Because you have an enemy. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Time out. Now, here's what I want to say about this. You can think self-controlled means not given to temper. You can think it means don't get hammered. You can think these things. But here's what I hear. Be self-controlled and alert means this. Notice when these things start happening to you. Get it? If I'm laying there losing sleep and I'm looking at the clock, well, if I go to sleep now, I'll get this many hours or that many hours, that many hours. Be self-controlled, Kirk. Just know what's happening. Know what's happening. Oh, wait, wait. What's happening? I'm being attacked by something outside of myself. And what does he do? He walks around like a biting lion, right? Like a scratching lion, like a pouncing lion. No, I, those weren't the words. Like a roaring lion. You can roar all day as long as you don't scratch my eyeballs out or bite me. We were at the zoo in Syracuse, and for some reason, we came near the lion thing, and of course the kids wanted to see the lion the most. And he was just way in the back corner sleeping. That was a huge letdown. You know what? As a parent, you feel really bad for your kids. Like, oh, stupid lion. We went through the little monkey area, which was fun. <laughs> Always. We came back, and there was a mob by the lion plexiglass. And you know, I don't know why? I wish I had the picture. I've shown you. The lion was like this, sitting there going, oh, oh, oh. Right next to the glass. I mean, if there was no glass, I could have pet him. Seriously, he turns and his face was fogging up the glass. So we're sitting there. I've got pictures on my phone of Alex and Izzy literally a foot away from the lion. Amazing, right? That's okay. Stay over there. You know what I'm saying? Roar all you want. Because the reality is, and here's why I bring up that it's not a snapping lion, biting lion, tackling lion, devouring lion. I prowl around and make the noise looking for someone to devour in that fashion. Does that make sense? Bruce, you follow me? So he, 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 he prowls around sneakily. He doesn't walk around. He prowls around sneakily, saying stuff, making noise, and through that noise, looking for someone to devour. And if you're not self-controlled and alert, you won't notice it, and he'll devour you using, the, using that, the roar. How many people know that, yes, there's a devil. How many people know that he's restrained and only can do so many things? How many people have ever read the first chapter of Job where the devil, who was a covering cherub, let's not forget, who has to report to God? And he wants to destroy Job, but he can't, can he? He's on a leash, isn't he? Well, inside that leash, we have this right here. You be self-controlled and alert because through fear, the enemy will try to take you down. That's exactly what we're talking about right now. This is very, very real. The main tactic he uses is fear. So we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this. And I've said this before, but listen, this is important for you and your kids too. This is simple. Put away your other teaching for, give me 20 minutes where you stop listening to your Sunday school from the past or whatever. Please just give me a second. Also, don't take my word for things. If I asked you where God is, some people would say this. Some, po some people would say he's in a Disney castle up in the clouds, correct? And sometimes that's what we teach our kids. Where is God? He's far away. He's up. Uh, higher than the mountains that I face, blah, blah, blah. You know, like he's, he's up. We always think God is up. And I got news for you. That's actually not the, the picture that the Bible paints at all. And I, and I want to separate those things because, well, 
in, in order to talk about fear, this is what God showed me to tackle fear. God is not there. So let's do this, Brian. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk about time a little bit. Because I'm going to say, where is God? Yeah, so where is God? Let's, let's talk about time. Let's look at the first one. We get this idea of time. And I've talked to this before. Start and end. The beginning of the Roman Empire, the fall of the Roman Empire. Right? All of our social studies books give us that. Let's do the next one. We think the same thing about eternity. We think, you know, hey, you died. You're here. Oh, Grandpa. Grandpa died. He began eternity. And it's going to continue left to right. But we have this, this, this uh, wrong thinking. And here's what I mean by this. I'm going to just try to fly through this. And I know some of you know this. Again, just try to really get it so you can teach it. Time is not something necessarily that is constant. We look at time as this solid thing. It is not. Time is our fourth dimension. I told you before. Width, height, depth, and breadth. You know who taught us that? The Bible before science got onto that, four dimensions. So anyway, time is our fourth dimension. Time is a physical property. Don't let me lose you. Time changes depending on mass, acceleration, and gravity. In other words, I think you've all seen Interstellar, or at least you should. It, it plays with quantum physics very well. If you get too close to a star with heavy gravity, time accelerates. Literally, if you just get too close to a force of gravity time space, your, your clocks metaphorically would speed up. Time everywhere else does not speed up because time is not fluid. It is not static. And the reason I'm attacking your perception of time is because your perception of time has shaped, changed, uh, shaped your perception of God. What's our next one, Brian? Scripture? Or is that it for... Okay, stop. Thank you. When you die, for example, here's what I want you to understand. Time is a physical property that affects only the people on this planet this way. So when you leave the physical dimension, when you leave your body, you don't go into a different set of time, you stop being bound by time. Does that make sense? Eternity is not having a lot of time. Eternity is being outside of time. If you don't believe me, open up the book of Genesis. Before the sun is invented, God says, here's a day. How do you know what a day is before the sun was even created? Do you understand? There wasn't physical time at that point. I, I get it. I get it. I know this is confusing in some ways, but I, I really need to get this to you. Do you know that um, I've told you about atomic clocks before that, do you know, even time is even different up high on earth. There's an atomic clock in Seattle and there's an atomic clock down in, let's say, uh, uh, Louisiana, and they have to reset them every year because time moves a slight bit faster up high. What? What? So all I want to do is get you to loosen your idea of time. That's all I'm looking to do. Here's one that should really blow your mind and then we'll move forward. So let's say we take two astronauts. They're exact twins. They came out exact same time or close. If we sent one to our, our to near star Alpha, Alpha Centauri, let's say we did this one, four and a half light years away. If we sent one twin, twin there and then back, this is what we would do. So if it was nine years to get there and nine years back, when he gets back, he'll be two years and nine months younger than his twin brother. Time will have moved more quickly. Now, let's say if we did this, if we went to Alpha Centauri at the speed of light, it'd take him nine years round trip, but the earth would have aged 636 years. Yeah, that, listen, and this is not opinion. This is out of quantum physics journals of October of 2000. T tried, tested, and true. Because time that you noticed 
is just a thing we're experiencing. We're not ruled by it. We're not governed by it. And surely God is not. So isn't that crazy? 636 year difference. He'd only age nine years. Now, this is important because it's a physical property on earth. Yes. Now I want you to see this. As we know, now again, I'm trying to shape your, just loosen your ideas here. We know that born on the left dies on the right, right? But if we're talking about serving a God who explores all dimensionality, and he does, then he does not see your, the beginning of your life on the left and the end of your life on the right. In fact, I'm going to take this linear piece of paper and I'm going to show you probably how God perceives it a lot differently. I folded it into a circle, didn't I? Now, does it take me any effort at all to see the beginning and the end? In fact, the beginning and the end overlap. If you want to get a little more sciencey about it, he probably sees it like a lot more like this, all bound up into one. Does that make sense? So we think, born and die. Let me tell you something. My six-year-old kid right now is a grandfather. I've been dead and gone for a long time, and I've never been born. What? That's how God can do that. Do you know that God speaks in the past tense in the book of Revelation? Number one, he's the only one who can do it, because when he makes a choice, it's sealed. It's done. But he talks about it being over with. It's done. I've closed the book. And to him, he has. So, that, you know, how many folks we got in here? We got two two pregnant folks in here right now? Yeah, your, your baby's already grown, married, married off, has grandkids, already buried you. You're done. Get it? That's time to God. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I asked you, where is God? And I think one of the great, I, great things I can do for you is to say this. I can tell you this. One of the things that's most important to answer about God when it comes to fear is this. If God is everywhere in time, do you follow me on that? He's everywhere in time. Do you know where he's chosen to be? This is huge. The whole reason God is chosen to be his presence and existence is in right now. See that he commands the whole circle, but where does God say he is? He is not residing in the past exclusively with his presence and he is not this is so important for today in the future with his presence he has chosen to resign himself though he doesn't have to in now 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 that second this second that second this second so when we're talking about fear i want you to let you know something god has chosen to be where but with us so if god really is a loving father and wants to be with us through life he has to be where we are and we exist in our consciousness and the battles we're fighting are right now. So side by side, you and he are walking through life. But when you daydream, indulge a nightmare, when you imagine hard times in the fearful scenarios for tomorrow, he's not there with you. That's my whole point. Do you understand that? And it's taking me 10 to 12 minutes to let you know that though he occupies all time space, when you journey out ahead of him, you're creating a false reality that he will not be there with you now i want to do another drawing we're not going to talk the higher dimensions I yeah any of them um i i don't want to talk about the higher dimensions where i don't know if it's the seventh or eighth or anything like this but where they explore all the different options or become all the different dimensions all your different choices so we try to do this i'm drawing a line on a paper this is your life marching down to up why because why not when you want to go left to right that's your life, right? Let's say. Now, here's me stuck in that time, but I'm thinking about tomorrow. 
Okay? So what do I do? I send a line off of here fantasizing about tax returns, babies born, sickness, illness, disease. And I do this. But the reality is that's actually where time's going to go. And that's actually where God occupies. What right do I have to create a spinoff that isn't actually real? Does that make sense? So when I think about something bad happening to my kids, I'm creating a false reality of a timeline that's never going to materialize. And therefore, God is not in those dreams. All that's there is the lion. Because the lion lives in your imagination. The lion lives by speaking into you. He wants you to create these false realities where you're going to get to that hospital room and God's not there with his grace. But the reality is that every minute he's never going to leave our side. When Jesus turns and says this, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the end of the age. I will never leave you and I will never break relationship with you. That meant that for the rest of eternity, I literally am right where you are when you are. But you can leave me with the power of your imagination and fear. And let me tell you how lions work. They drag away the ones that come close, drag them away, right? They get them alone. Number two about fear today. Fear is a very lonely, lonely emotion, isn't it? Fear wants to isolate you. We don't want to talk about our fears to people because we feel like it's going to make it more real or, or we recognize they're not. So what do we do? We keep them here and we isolate. Jesus says this, behold, I send you out as sheep among the wolves. That would have been a whole different picture, Greg, if he had said sheep among, sheep among the cheetah or coyotes. But when he said the wolves, you're talking about a pack and they hunt as a group. And the way they do it is by isolating you. Fear isolates you. Do you know where fear lives? Fear lives in the darkness, doesn't it? Fear lives in the things you didn't express to people and the things you don't say. And fear, when the curtains get pulled open and you do express it, fear will diminish, won't it? That's why during worship, when you come together corporately in worship, your fear shrinks. You can walk in here terrified. Four songs in, you're less afraid. You've opened it up. God becomes where he is. He becomes proper sized. And the fear goes, shrinks right down. But boy, if you'd made a different choice today, just given your reality, if you'd made a different choice today, and at this time, you're home and you're by yourself, that fear stays the same size. And notice none of my statements were condemning. I'm just giving you reality. But this is how the devil takes us down, you guys. So God has chosen. He's outside of time, but he's chosen to be exactly where we are. Now, here's the thing about this. I had thought about bringing somebody up, but the problem is I talk a lot and fast, and I'm not sure how much room I would leave for someone. But I would love for somebody like, let's say, Brenda or Bruce, who've had physical issues in the past. And I'd love to have them say, you know, before I got there, I had to struggle with fear. But when I actually got there, I almost feel like I was carried through that. Right, Brenda? Wasn't that what you said? Bruce, you too? Yeah. I mean, listen, nobody says it doesn't hurt and that it was perfect that I was, you know, nobody's saying that. But I'm saying before you pictured it was a different experience than when it got there. I've told you before, me growing up, my greatest fear was my dad dying. It was irrational. As long as I can remember, that was the thing. And I would think about it and I would, oh, it would destroy me. But you know that the day he actually did die, not even half the day went by where 
I truly felt the pain, felt the hurt, felt the mourning. Nobody says it's going to be easy. But do you know that it wasn't like I pictured it? It was full of grace. And it didn't destroy me like my imaginations did every single time. The Apostle Paul's struggling with something. You'll, you'll know this. And it's merciful. The Bible doesn't tell us what he's struggling with. And he asks God, he says, change this circumstance, God. Three times, he says. And God replied to him and said, you need to know something about creation. My grace towards you is enough for what you need right now. And it will always be enough. But not when you're worrying about it. That's one of the ways that you can help destroy fear. When is God now? It wouldn't be good to also know, you know, I said before, where is God? Yeah, okay, 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 I like this one. I thought I was going to lose my mojo here, but I'm not. Okay, we're going to use physics to explain where God is, too. Do, let's do uh, Joe and Betty two-dimensional. Let's do Joe two-dimensional. So, I've told you, hey, that's what you pay me for, this wonderful artwork. <laughs> It's not just any stick figure. He's very friendly. So I hope you can see that online. You probably can't. Okay. Okay. What did I tell you before? We, width, height, and depth. 3D, right? And that's the, all the rage. I, hate, I don't like watching movies in 3D. It bothers me. But it helps hammer home the fact that there's dimension to us, right? I've told you before, if you want to think about what two dimensions are, a playing card. The joker on a playing card. There's two dimensions. So let me do this. To, to understand the higher dimensions, you have to look at the lower dimensions, so here he is. We're going to call him Joe Two-Dimensional. Yeah, y'all can see him. He explores height, width, and height. That's it. He has no depth. Get it? There's nothing coming off the page. You understand? So he can't perceive anything out here. He just can't. He can perceive anything that's on his level plane, left, right, up, or down. If You know what I'm saying? He can perceive the stuff around him, but not out here because that's depth. Get it? He doesn't have depth. You, got, you follow me at least a little bit? Okay. Now. I could interact with him and he would then notice me. If I touched him, he would then, I would be in his dimensionality and he would notice. Now, I don't want to mess with you too much, but he wouldn't see a finger, he'd see a circle. Get it? He'd see the, what two dimensions. But let me tell you something. He, this guy, let's say he's alive, this two dimensional creature, I put my finger right a millimeter away from him, pretending I'm touching the screen up here. Do you know how close I could be to him? And he would have no idea I'm there. Literally. I mean, I could be on the subatomic level next to him. And just because of where he occupies, he wouldn't know. So, God says, I am near. Over and over and over again in the Bible. Do we have any, in fact? God says, I am near. Now, do you understand that that might mean... That he's nearer to you than you can even perceive at every given second, 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 second. Do you understand that? There's one that says he sticks nearer than a brother. I know that one. Behold, I am near. There you go. A man of many companions says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's him. What's the next one? Nothing with near. Okay. Sorry. But understand all through the Bible. I, got, I ran out of steam yesterday. Please understand throughout the Bible. I am near. Do not worry. Do not fear. I am near you. You go back down and you look at two-dimensional guy here, and now you can understand that God might actually be occupying every tiny space around you, and he might even be actually occupying space within you. And we know Holy Spirit, but I'm saying, like, 
the cellular, cellular divisions in your body, your synaptic responses. Does that make sense? Some would even say that God actually is everything around us, filling all of his creation with himself. So where is God? Well, you got to think about time. He's right now. Where is he physically? Oh, I don't think he's sitting in a castle at the, uh, either Disney park. I think he's actually right near. St. Augustine says this, guys, as we're talking about fear. He says that St. Augustine said, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And so let me conclude, I suppose, by saying this. Fear not appears 84 times in the Bible. And I know I've said to you before, some translations, some things talk about we should fear God. A big part of me disagrees with that in the trembling sense. Because if he's telling us not to fear because he's near, I don't think we're supposed to fear when he is near. Does that make sense? I think that's, I think that's religion. 84 times in the Bible it appears that. So do we kind of see why? One day Alex was sleeping. And he was actually sleeping on my arm. Now here's the picture I want to leave you with today. One day Alex was sleeping on my arm. My arm was under his neck. And he started to whimper in his sleep. And I could tell he was having a bad dream. It's a really good metaphor for fear, actually. And I wondered in my mind, now what in the world would you be fretting about at this moment? You're literally in my arms. I have everything you need. I've got food, water, shelter, protection. I've got everything you need to even understand what you're going through at this moment, don't I? Because what can a child go through that his father can't explain? Everything he needed, and yet there he was stirring and fearing and i'm not coming at him he's a kid he was sleeping in that moment i shook him a little bit said all right bubba hey daddy's right here bud don't worry about it he heard the voice my voice and he went to to a nice restful sleep i want to say this guys if we can just let this in through our brains let it speak to our spirits if we understand just how close god is to us no matter what we're facing in the future knowing that we can't even anticipate what scenarios are coming, right? What timelines are going to be here. If we can just understand that we are to stay where we are in the present, and that's where he is with us, then we're going to save ourselves a lifetime of being devoured by false reality. And we're commanded to do so because, number one, fear is a paralytic. If you're afraid of something, you won't move. If you're afraid in the night, you freeze, don't you? And God wants us moving forward in what, what he has for us. And number two, this is absolutely our best lives. I don't want my son laying there having nightmare dreams when I'm here. When I can comfort him. Just let me comfort you. You know what I'm saying? So let's sing a song right now that really affirms this back to us. Let's, uh, I want to thank everybody who joined us online. I want to, again, recommend khouse.org for a lot more of this uh, physics sort of stuff. But now you have a reason. Now when the enemy tells you to fear, you have stuff here and all around you to answer why. It's not just because I'm not supposed to anymore, but because now I see that it would be foolish if I gave in to it. Now I've been convinced and con if the truth sets you free, then the misunderstandings we had walking in here may have held us captive. Does that make sense? Let's sing the song together.
His perfect love is casting out fear.